Welcome to It's Mercedes, honest conversations for freedom-minded women. I'm your host, Mercedes, founder of Libertas Sisters, and every episode I invite a guest to discuss topics such as femininity, relationships, the culture war, self-reliance, politics, and freedom. And let's be honest, whatever else I'm in the mood for. So pop in those headphones, pour yourself a beverage, and settle in. Let's get this episode started. Quick little intro, and we'll get this this thing started. Today, I want to welcome Jordan Klein, also known as Joe the Mama. Is that, wait, or is it, yes, Joe the Mama, correct? (laughs) I was like, did I have that backwards? Um, I am super excited to have her here. She is a doula. She also has a pretty solid TikTok account, which is how I came across her initially. Um, a few months back, actually, when I think maybe you potentially went viral, but we'll discuss that later. First, um, can you take a quick moment just to introduce yourself? Maybe tell us where you are and what you got going on for sure. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, hi, my name is Joe or Jordan. Either way, I don't care. Um, I'm 24 years old. I'm a mom. I'm a birth doula. I'm a student midwife. And now apparently I'm a TikToker, which just cracks me up to no end. The fact that that's happening. It's great. I love it. Blessings, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I like to be a presence online that is kind of hopefully refreshingly honest and refreshingly real. Uh, I love to integrate the humorous aspects of parenting and like young mom and married life into something that's engaging and something that's interesting for people to watch and enjoy and hopefully relate to. And yeah, you definitely do that. I mean, I don't even, you know, like my listeners know, I don't even have children and I watch your, I mean, I watch your content because it is entertaining. It is informative. And even your content that is regarding birth and doula and children, I still watch it because I just find it very interesting and, you know, I I want to learn. So speaking of learning, uh, what the heck is a doula? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Um, Not many people know what a doula is, or they're very confused when I say, oh, I'm a doula. Um, And of course, then they go, what the heck is that? And usually if I'm looking to just give them a really short answer, I just say, well, I'm kind of like a birth coach or a birth educator. Um, but then kind of diving further into that, it going way back, it comes from the ancient Greek word doula, which means woman servant or woman who serves. So kind of in that lifestyle and in that time, if you had servants in your household, you had like one main right-hand lady, if you were a woman. And the role of a doula was heightened and became even more important during labor and childbirth. And your doula was your main support person and the, the one who coached you through the whole process and even kind of took care of you for the most part. And that role hasn't really gone anywhere. It's always existed, no matter what the culture is. And, it, you know, they have different names for it all over the place throughout history. Um, but even in modern day times, you know, you usually have either your your main partner, which could be your husband or your best friend or your mom or your sister. There's usually that one person that's really there for you. So the modern version of a birth doula is now what I am. And so I'm a trained and experienced birth professional who provides continuous uh, physical, emotional, and educational support before, during, and after childbirth. And it's very different from a midwife or a doctor, like you were saying earlier, it's kind of what's the difference between those. So yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, yeah. cause I think, I mean, 
I don't know if I'm wrong, but a midwife is more medical as opposed Correct. to a doula is more advocating. And- yes. So the doula is there to advocate, to provide education, and just be there for that physical and emotional support throughout all of pregnancy and labor and postpartum. Whereas the midwife should be able to solely focus on the medical care and the physiological care of mom and baby during that whole process. So it's kind of splitting the role in a way. And the ideal, like the dream birth team is a midwife and a doula. Um, that's when you really hone it in and it's perfect. So yeah, doulas are not responsible or trained to provide medical care or assistance of any kind. Although a lot of doulas are also, uh, you know, trained birth assistants or midwives like myself. Um, and so, yeah. Do you ever, if you do that training, do you ever do dual roles? Like do you doula and midwife at the same time? Yeah. So I'm not a full blown midwife yet. Um, that's like a full eight year process, higher education, the whole nine yards. Um, but I am like a birth assistant and I've been doing that for a little over a year now. So in a role where I'm more of a birth assistant, my main priority is to assist to the midwife. Um, but I, you know, it's inevitable that like the doula always kind of comes out <laughs> in a way you always end up doing something along the lines of private of providing that kind of support, whether it's helping mom get into different positions or to make suggestions to hopefully help the process of labor. Uh, maybe you just sit there and help them with breathing exercises or get them snacks, you know, just kind of whatever it comes down to. And were you doing this before you had children or did you become interested in it? Like once you became a mother yourself? So a little bit of both. I grew up in a really big family. I'm the oldest of 30 or 20, 30 some odd cousins. I have, I, was, I thought you were going to say siblings, I'm no, like, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, we were all very, very close. I mean, literally with it living within like a two mile radius of, of each other at all okay. times. Um, I have, there's seven kids in my family, so seven siblings, but, um, and so I'm the oldest of all of those. And so I've seen lots of pregnancy, lots of birth, lots of babies. It was always a very normal, normalized part of life. Um, and so then, you know, getting married, getting pregnant and having my first baby, it was a very eye-opening experience to be in the driver's seat of that (laughs) pregnancy and birth. Um, and I did hire a doula myself for my first baby. Um, it's funny. She actually wasn't able to attend the actual birth because it went too fast. Did not see that coming. Um, so that was, that was fun and interesting. (laughs) That was unplanned. (laughs) That was unplanned. Uh, but all of the pregnancy support that I got and the postpartum support was amazing. And I couldn't believe that this wasn't a normal standard thing that women had. And so I think at that point I was like, okay, yeah, I need to do this. And I need to, I need to experience this again. I'm one of those crazy people that genuinely loves and enjoys labor. Like I really enjoy being in labor. Um, and I really wanted to experience it over and over and over again, but I don't want to have, you don't want to have to like (laughs) multiple children in order to accomplish that. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, I saw, I saw a lot of gaps in the way that women are treated in America when they're pregnant and when they're in labor. And I saw a lot of issues just going through it myself and doing more research and learning more about the whole process. And I was really, unfortunately, just like disappointed and disgusted in a lot of ways. And the only thing I could really do other than just, you know, like burn down a hospital Joker style in the Batman was just like become a doula and get in there. And- 
and help be there to advocate for yeah, them and help and- other women really understand what their rights are and what they can what they can do. Okay. Well, that makes me curious as to what was, I mean, you know, you were talking about your concerns and stuff with um, birth and healthcare for women. I mean, if you were to put a finger on what would be your biggest concern or what was it that really led you to want to pursue this that stemmed out of what was happening or what you saw happening with birth and healthcare for, for women? I mean, I think the biggest thing that I want women to know is that they do not work for their doctor. Your doctor works for you. You are running the show. You are in charge. You are the boss. And that is not a mindset that like modern Western medicine. Yeah, that's very true. Typically it's like, whatever the doctor says, you just kind of exactly. go for it. And then mm-hmm. if you do start questioning, I know, I mean, I haven't, like I said, I haven't given birth, but of course I've had to deal with doctors. I've had surgery, I've been sick. And, you know, you start asking questions and you debate and you pull back and, and some doctors, I'm not going to say all, but I have had an experience where they almost seem frustrated Mm -hmm. with your questioning or not like cooperating. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? When I just like, I just want to know more and make sure that I'm making the best choice for myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, um, I had just a normal OB for my first pregnancy and was so frustrated and annoyed at how (laughs) short each of my prenatal appointments were. I mean, on average, prenatal visits with an OB last about five minutes, five to seven minutes. And I always left the office with more questions than I went in and I didn't know who to ask and I didn't know who to turn to. You can't just text your doctor at three o'clock in the afternoon if you're curious about something. And Googling is a terrible idea because you always end up Cause you just make it worse. <laughs> oh yeah. You just make it 10 times worse. Um, and so just women are taught to trust the medicine and not trust their body. And that is not at all intuitive to the process of birth at all. It just doesn't work. So that leads me like, this is actually a question that popped into my head that, you know, I hadn't thought about when I first reached out to you, mm-hmm. but considering everything you know, recently mothers, COVID, you know, Mm. having limitations of like, you can't have your spouse or you can't have like someone there for, um, the prenatal visits or sonograms. And so like, have you seen that where like in your profession, like there's been a limitation, Mm -hmm. which honestly, if I think about it, I, you know, I think about when I've gone to the hospital and I talk with my doctor and they just give you all of this information and you yeah. almost need to have like that other person there to help, yeah. you know, process that information. Has that been pretty persistent since COVID in regards to labor and delivery? Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't, it, it took a while after the initial COVID crazy started up that doulas were even allowed in hospitals at all. Um, a lot of women were stuck with the choice of, do I want my husband and the father of my child there? Or do I want my support person and my doula and like my, my main girl, like who do they, they would have to pick, they would have to choose. And of course there are plenty of times where, you know, a client of mine would come to me and say, I don't know what to do. I can't pick. And I would always say like, I trust you and I trust myself well enough to believe that we've done the groundwork for you to, to be able to handle yourself and be able to go in there and be strong and advocate for yourself. Like you, you got to have your husband, you got to have your boyfriend, you got to have your person, you got to have your person there. Um, but yes, a lot of women were faced with a choice that they 
should not have to make um, about who was going to support them in birth. And I know in some very extreme cases, even their husbands or the baby's father wasn't even able to attend and wasn't even able to be there, or they were forced to labor with a mask on the whole time and push with a mask on, or uh, their babies were taken away from them immediately after birth because of inconclusive COVID test results or positive COVID test results when the science behind that and the evidence behind that just doesn't exist. Like there was so much um, panic that unfortunately, yeah, these women were forced into situations that no mother, new mother should have to be in. Well, and it's a stressful situation to begin with, especially if it's your first and then you don't have your person and you don't have someone advocating for you and you're emotional and stress. Like I can't even fathom, um, that experience. And, you know, my heart breaks for them, especially like, I know I have a few girlfriends who have COVID babies, you know, and, and one of my girlfriends, she did, she had to give birth with a mask on, which is like, I'm guessing not comfortable. No, No. I definitely have told multiple clients like, Hey, just take it off. (laughs) And if someone comes in here and tells you, you got to put a mask on, you just say, no, (laughs) what are they going to do? Like, I I really need to breathe as I'm giving birth to this child. (laughs) I'm birthing a human, not putting this on. Um, yeah, but it's no surprise that the amount of home births just skyrocketed. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, home births for, and then homeschooling, like everything is just Mm kind of like, everybody's just bringing everything home because that's where we have our most, like our still our one sanctuary where we have the most control is within our, our home. So, well, the first time you came across my (laughs) radar was, I don't even remember how long ago it was, but it was during the time where the term birthing people Mm -hmm. had started (laughs) had started to like make, well, it had made an, it had made an appearance before, but it was yeah. trending because a uh, representative Corey Bush from yeah. Missouri testified and she used the term birthing people during a, I believe a Senate hearing like testimony. It was that. And then in the, um, I believe it was just in the budget proposal for 2022. Yes. Um, the, the administration wanted to allocate funds for, research into lowering maternal mortality rate in the United States. And they specifically used terminology that uh, excluded feminine terminology and instead opted for birthing persons, birthing humans, but it continued to call it maternal mortality rate. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, and it's kind of funny because you almost see them have like that struggle where they'll say birthing people and then say women and then like correct themselves and then say birthing people again. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when you first crossed my radar because I think you had just come out of a birth Mm -hmm. and you just were so spot on with your like one minute, three minute TikTok commentary. And I, and I think that's when I started following you. So I was like, (laughs) Yes, because I've written and I've done a few videos and I've written a little bit about this increasing trend to ungender language. And what's interesting is, is that it it seems to happen one way, specifically yes. for women. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious that as a, you know, you're in the, I don't know if business is the right term, but you're in the practice, let's put it that way, of labor and delivery. You know, you work a lot with women, you help, you see women give birth, Mm -hmm. help them, you know, give birth. And there's also been, 
I, it hasn't happened here in the United States, if I'm not mistaken, correct, correct me if I'm, if I'm mistaken, but I know that in the UK, they have promoted also the terms for midwives and uh, OBs and doctors to use like chest feeding, birthing people yeah. and whatever else. Yeah. Has that been introduced at all? Like, I don't know, where are you located? I don't even know if you I'm, would. So I'm in Michigan. And from what I understand about kind of where we're at with that terminology, it has in no way been enforced. Um, however, it's been heavily encouraged. And um, I'm, I'm definitely seeing more and more birth professionals and doctors that kind of veer toward the direction of using ungendered language and using chest feeding, which we can get into chest feeding because I think in that video that you were talking about, like I ended the video by saying something along the lines of don't even get me started on chest feeding. And so many people commented or messaged me and, you know, said, I would actually love to hear what you have to say about chest feeding. And I don't think I ever addressed it. Um, but yeah, I definitely have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that's what we're here for because I, I mean, I have a lot of feelings about it. I have, you know, I feel it that it's very dehumanizing. Yes. I feel that it's very dismissive of what women are capable of doing. Um, and, and it's not, I think there's a misunderstanding because a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll let you respond to this because yeah. I'm guessing like in Twitter, no, not Twitter, sorry, the other platform, TikTok. TikTok. TikTok leans much younger, way younger than I am. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, And much more left leaning. Yeah. And so I'm just curious as to, you know, I'm sure that when you share these ideas, you get a little bit of pushback and challenge. One of them being, well, nobody's forcing you to mm. use the language. Yeah. Have you received that kind of pushback? And if so, like, oh, I've <laughs> received every form of pushback, <laughs> north, south, east, west, up, down, left, right. Like it's everywhere. Um, and of course, posting something like that, you know, you know, you're going to get like you're asking for it. Oh my gosh, you're asking for it. It's fantastic. Um, I, I thrive off of it in a way. So, and I know a lot of people are really not like that. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I've made it as far as I have is because I don't just let it roll off my back. It almost like fuels me. <laughs> in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know you had sent me that email with like a bunch of questions kind of in the direction. So I kind of had an idea of what we were going to be talking about. And you, you mentioned the TikTok video and the birthing person thing. Um, but yeah, specifically about the ungendered language, it absolutely should not be the default. Definitely. That's essentially what I'm getting at is yeah. like, you know, does it have a time and place? Sure. Sure. Like, I does. think if somebody walks in and be, and is like, this is what I want to be addressed as well, fine. Yeah. That's yeah. your prerogative. You do you. Right. But I, I also use it akin to um, just the, the general use mm -hmm. as if everybody needs to accept it. And then if I am offended, not offended, it's not even that I'm offended because yeah. to be offended, I would have to like, I'm annoyed by it, I think is more than anything. Right. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm not shallow enough to let a term like birthing person offend me. Exactly. Like, it's not really like affecting. I don't yeah. feel like. I'm secure enough in myself to not give a shit what you call me. 
Exactly. Well, it's like funny because sometimes when people would be like, it's like you, you think I don't exist or you're dehumanizing mm-hmm. me or you're, and I know I said, I find the term dehumanizing, but I personally am like, you're, you're not making any sense. Yeah. Like I'm not going to give my emotions over to you yeah. when you're legitimately not making any sense. So that's yeah. why I'm saying like, I'm much more annoyed by it than I am offended by it. So when people say like, I, why do you even care? Yeah. I laugh at it more than anything to me. It, I look at it and I'm like, are you serious? Like, is this, wait, you're being for real, right? Like this is something that you, and when I say you, I mean, the people that are pushing for ungendered language. Yes. Specifically in birth and whatever, uh, call them lefties, call them libs, whatever you want to call the woke. I don't know, whatever you want to call them. That's what they like to be called. Um, so yeah, like I, I more so look at it and I can't help, but think like, wow, you really believe that this is progressive. You look at this and you think that for some reason we're moving in the right direction by taking away language and terminology specific to femininity, females, women, all that stuff. How in the world did we make it to this point now? Because I guarantee you the suffragettes would be rolling in their graves. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's the thing is like the claim is that it's supposed to be progressive. And the claim is also that language like evolves, which that one is another one that kind of like drives me nuts. There's a difference. Sure. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, language evolves, but not, not like (laughs) that's not. Well, like language evolves to me is like when you start using slang and it becomes part of like, you know, your regular words, obviously we don't speak like old English times, but a woman in old English times is still a woman today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And certain things that don't necessarily evolve. So, right. but you know, my question is when you, as, as a doula, as a woman, mm-hmm. I also give that to you. <laughs> I am that as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and you see this alleged progressive, like progress of ungendering language. Do you mm-hmm. see any like potential negative side effects that people are just not willing to acknowledge or discuss? Oh, 100%. Um, So yeah, first of all, like I said, I believe it has a time and place. I'm not going to deny that some people would prefer ungendered terminology in their own personal birth and pregnancy experience. Um, However, I believe that those instances, which are few and far between, um, there needs to be an understanding that that situation is an exception. There's there's nothing wrong with being an exception. It's not derogatory to be an exception, just like a left-handed golfer is an exception. But whatever, it's just, it is what it is. However, if you walk into a sporting goods store and ask for golf clubs, they're probably automatically going to lead you toward the right-handed ones. And as long as you specify your needs and your preferences, it's not a problem. They'll absolutely give you what you need and what you're looking for. But that does not mean that the manufacturer of golf clubs should start mass producing left-handed golf clubs at the same level that they produce right-handed. You're an exception. That's fine. Voice that. And there's not going to be a problem, but don't get mad when the exception doesn't become the norm. Um, so specifically in the birth community, using ungendered language is a bad idea. <laughs> and that's because this community, which is very feminine um, and very woman empowering, should be a space that celebrates that inherently feminine ability and female ability to create and birth human beings. I mean, that's a, that's, that's something that women have been fighting to be viewed as, um, a respectable thing and a powerful trait for a very, very long time. 
Um, and especially in modern day and age, when we already have issues with things like maternity leave and support for postpartum depression. Well, and one of the things I find interesting, because like, again, they yeah. like to pose this as progressive. And there was a time, I mean, if you think about like way, I'm talking about like way back in the day, like, or right. not even that far back, like in the fifties, where it was just like a woman gives birth. That's a woman's problem. You go back mm-hmm. into the hospital, you pop a kid out and it's like, yeah, as if it's, it's not work. You know what I mean? As if it right. wasn't something difficult, as if it wasn't something, yeah. You know, in other words, I mean, I don't know if traumatizing is the right word to you, but. Oh, it was 100% traumatizing (laughs) because of how women gave birth in the 50s. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? But just like in general, just like that whole, like your body's going through a lot. It's not like you just end up dancing through the daisies, like within like, you know, a day later or whatever. And so it was always kind of seen as this oversimplified thing. And until like, you know, eventually we got into a space where it was a little bit more understood, a little bit more respected, more, um, what's the word I'm, it had, uh, there's a, I'm looking for a term like, um, it was normalized. It was more accessible. Yeah. Well, it was normalized, but it was also like, you know, acknowledged as something that was unique, special, you know what I mean? Yes. And then all of a sudden it just, feels like the language is just kind of like, we don't want to like, we don't want to acknowledge this power anymore. Yeah. Because, and, and, and not even, and I feel like maybe that's even going too far, but we don't want to acknowledge that this is unique and this is not something that everybody can't experience. Well, because it seems like the progressive movement, you know, has this idea of trying to equalize and eliminate mm. what is the differences between men and women. Oh, I have thoughts yeah. about equality between men and women. Too. Well, <laughs> we can get in, we can get into all of that, but yeah, like all of it for sure. I'm open book here, but like it's either always trying to make women more masculine and then bring you know, but they want to like erase the different. And I think I feel that this is just an extension of that. But then at the same time, yeah. yeah, then at the same time, the moment that being a woman that is either objectified or mm-hmm. perceived to be uh, held down by the patriarchy, then immediately, again, you're a woman. But then if you're right. a woman that tries to point out that there's differences, then you're internalizing the patriarchy. It's like, you can't have it both ways, homie. Like, you just can't. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think, and that's, that's something that I'm seeing a big push a lot, especially across social media is women kind of taking that step and standing up and saying, hang on a second. I am very traditionally feminine. I am, you know, what the, the quote unquote patriarchy would consider the ideal wife. This is, these are the things I enjoy. These are the things I want to do. I want to stay home. I want to cook and clean for my husband. I want to take care of my kids and I want to look nice and wear pretty dresses all day. And I'm still a feminist and I still believe that every woman can make that choice for herself, but we need to start respecting that traditional female roles. If you want to really view all women as equal, that they're valid, need to be that they're valid and they're valuable. Um, and so, (laughs) so I want to hear about your thoughts on the chest because you, you teased it like chest feeding. So I, Uh, I want to hear it. I want you to, Especially, I mean, you're a mom, you've, you've breastfed before, you've helped other women, I'm sure in that process too, afterwards. Mm -hmm. So why, why do you have, like, why do you care? Why do you have some strong feelings about it? Um, Well, there's kind of two schools of thought. Um, 
there's number one, no one chest feeds, not even people who identify as men that are lactating. Literally, first of all, literally every person, whether you are biologically male or female, you have breasts, you have breast tissue. So even, and I, I believe that the term chest feeding, again, was mostly introduced to be inclusive of like non-binary and trans people. Um, but again, even if you're like, even if you're a trans man who is lactating and you don't want it to be called breastfeeding, sorry, dude, it's breastfeeding. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It's still, you are, you're still using the breast tissue in order to feed your child. The term breastfeeding is not gendered. It never was. It's just biologically like that's the name of the area that you're feeding your child from. So just that in general cracks me up. I'm like, wait, what? Okay. And then I've also heard the argument that, you know, some women don't want it to be called breastfeeding because um, of the sexual connotation and nature behind the word breast. I had not heard that one. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's one <laughs> to which I say, you are part of the problem, ma'am. <laughs> we have been trying very hard to normalize breastfeeding and to desexualize breastfeeding um, and to try and change the name because you don't like the sexual connotation behind it is stepping backward toward the destigmatization and normalization and desexualization of breastfeeding. Um, Instagram has become a huge hub for the normalizing breastfeeding movement and normalizing breasts and normalizing nursing. Uh, because I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was just a couple of years ago. Um, Instagram changed their community guidelines to allow images um, containing nudity if it was related to birth, pregnancy, or breastfeeding. Okay. So there is no, there's no censoring. There's no filter there. It's, it's all out there. There's no warning. There's no little box at the bottom. I think sometimes there are, depending on for some reason, I don't know how their algorithm picks which ones get warnings and which ones don't, <laughs> but some of them do. Um, but Instagram has become a huge kind of information spot for women relating to breastfeeding, pregnancy, labor, delivery, postpartum, because there's no filter anymore. Um, because Instagram said, all right, this is, this is not sexual. Um, and you guys you gotta be okay with it. And I noticed that I didn't realize it was for that reason, but I do, you yeah. know, I have noticed that, especially I follow a lot of women. I follow a lot of mothers and there's yeah. a lot of breastfeeding photos. Oh, or... I can't look at Instagram in public anymore because of the accounts that I follow. <laughs> <laughs> I I was scrolling Instagram, like on the couch, my husband was sitting next to me and I follow lots of midwives and doulas and birth educators and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so at this point, I'm so used to seeing just like a full on vagina, like on my feed that it doesn't bug me or phase me anymore. But a picture came up and it was an up close shot of a vagina with like the baby's head crowning. And it was showing like a really interesting and detailed image of what's called molding on the baby's head, which is when the the plates on the skull uh, fuse and mesh together in order for baby's head to get through. And you could like see all the different plates through the skin. It was really interesting. It was really cool. And I just kind of stopped and I was looking at it and examining it for a minute. And my husband just like glances over and he goes, whoa, my gee, oh my gosh, what, 
He goes, is that a vagina on your phone? I'm like, yes, it's a vagina on my phone. It's also the head of a baby too. <laughs> it's also the head of a baby. Um, but yeah, so, and a big reason that Instagram confidently changed their community guidelines is because things like hashtag normalized breastfeeding or hashtag normalized nursing or hashtag, um, you know, celebrate breastfeeding, all that stuff just kind of turned into this online protest of sorts of women saying, we are done with you sexualizing our bodies in relation to motherhood. We are done. We are no longer okay. Or we're going to stand for, um, anybody telling us that this is anything but what it natural, is. Yeah. normal and what it is. So you can either let us post these things because it's beneficial to moms and moms need to see it and they need to understand what's normal, or we will all leave your platform. And Instagram said, okay, and now it's wonderful and it's amazing. And I probably learned more about breastfeeding in like my early postpartum days from Instagram than I did from like my lactation consultant at the hospital because it's there and it's available. So to change the term from breastfeeding to chest feeding in order to destigmatize or to desexualize it is completely ruining it. It's completely going backward and it's not progressive. It's 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 regressive. It's always, yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's always fascinating to me how we seem to be in a time that that it is almost so desperate to progress that mm-hmm. you are literally doing the opposite. And it almost makes me wonder yeah. if we and I've had this discussion with friends and um with my husband and stuff like that, if we have entered a time where we're just where there's people, I'm not gonna say uh, but especially in this society in the West where we're like looking for something to give us yeah. purpose. So we're looking for something to, you know, be an activist about or be upset about, or we're looking for injustice in places that it doesn't exist. exist. Yeah. Um, and then convincing ourselves and the people around us that this is unjust. Um, and justice was never supposed to be an adjective in the first place. It's a verb. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're spot on. I think you're you're right. Well, speaking of censorship, I yeah. know that you have so you you talk about sensitive subjects on uh, on your social media, and I mm-hmm. I noticed that your Instagram is very different from your TikTok. Of course, they're completely <laughs> different platforms, completely different audiences. Well, my Instagram is different from my TikTok because I am lazy and I don't do a lot like on Instagram. One social platform at a time. So exactly. I'm like, I don't have. Bandwidth. I know I've, uh, I've been, I've been working on the interwebs and on social media, uh, for like a decade now, because before this I had my food blog and everything, um, and is exhausting. I can completely sympathize with that. And it has gotten even more exhausting playing the algorithm game and the censorship game with social media. And I'm just wondering now, I don't know. I know the most I do on TikTok is like, look, and scroll or whatever. Right. And it's weird over there. So I don't spend a whole lot of time over there. It's very weird over there. <laughs> yeah. Have you experienced the same, you know, with your content and have you noticed any specific content more than other that is engaged or experienced censorship on TikTok? Funny enough, the most censorship that I've gotten is on videos featuring my kids. You would think, I know, right? Cause I talk about like mom parenting stuff. Um, TikTok loves to put me through like these ebbs and flows of censorship and content violations. And I'm currently in one where just every couple of days, a content violation will pop up 
on a video that I posted six, seven plus months ago. And it just, it's for, you know, minor safety or whatever, because my kid's in it and they, I you can't, can't really do anything about it. You can submit an appeal, but that's a joke. Like it's whatever. Um, so like I'm currently banned again until uh, like Wednesday or Thursday from, I can't do anything <laughs> I account. And, uh, but yeah, definitely a lot of censorship and you'd be surprised. Like I, you would really think that the, the more controversial posts where I'm talking about things like birthing persons, or I'm talking about like misogyny and birth, or I am addressing questions that people have about my thoughts related to like the LGBT community. Like you would think that those are the ones that would get censored and they, they don't. And I think it's because TikTok is a very selfish platform um, and that they don't like TikTok itself, the algorithm, I don't know the way that they've set it up. Um, it's very plain to see that the algorithm doesn't actually care about its own community guidelines. It cares more about what content will help the platform grow. And so the content that I create that tends to gain the most traction is the controversial stuff. And for TikTok to take that down means that there's less traffic going through their own app, their own platform. That's very interesting. So you don't experience, like I, cause I hear, I, I, I hear all kinds of stories about how, the monitoring or the reporting that's correct is kind of yeah the reporting systems effed up. yeah like it's used as a as a tool to like cancel people essentially yeah. or whatever because people can yep. just mass report and it's like automatic like they don't really look into any nuance you can't really appeal no. it you just suddenly get shut down you're shut down. so yeah. but that is those are other people that come across your account and they do it to you as opposed to Correct. it's not necessarily the platform is coming out on its own and doing it to you. Right. Yeah. So it's other people that can go out there, mass report your videos or your accounts. Um, and then the way that at least my understanding of it, based on conversations that I've had with people who work for TikTok, um, it's, it's easier for the AI to shut down accounts or take down videos that, is, that are taking up bandwidth from reports than it is to individually go find each account that is mass reporting or each person that specifically reported one video and target them or serve them with some kind of uh, like reprimand. So yeah, the, the reporting system that TikTok has in place, it's like ideal for trolls that it's perfect for them. So I don't know. We'll see if TikTok ever changes or if that ever... Does it make the friendliest social media platform? No, uh, yeah. So do you have, have you been attacked there anyway, like since you've been on there and with the social, with the content that you use or, um, by other users? Oh yeah. And, um, how do you typically like deal with that? Like, does it bother you at all? Do you just ignore it? Can you, do you block them? Oh, my favorite one was another well-known TikToker. She's got a TikTok. She's got like a YouTube channel. Um, a lot of people really like her. Mama Dr. Jones. I don't know if you've ever heard I of her don't before. Think so. She's like this OB, whatever. She's got a YouTube channel. She's pretty, she's actually pretty well known. She's she's an OB. Um, she really didn't like my video, <laughs> of course. And she it cracks me up because most of the time the way that people come after you, it's like it's so childish <laughs> and it's laughable. This is like a 30, 40, I'm assuming early 40s mother doctor and she downloads my video 
blocks me and then makes a response video. Oh, so you can't, me. you can't respond. So I never saw it. It wasn't until like a friend of mine sent it to me and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, so yeah, like I, most of the time, if there's ever any users that are genuinely attacking me and when I say attack, I mean like making videos about me or posting stuff about me or calling me out or whatever, I will make a point to message them directly or make a video to them directly and kind of explain my point and then say, Hey, you have my social media. You here, here's where I am on Instagram. Here's my Twitter. Here's my TikTok account reach out. Let's have a talk. Let's, let's go live together. Like you, you're very passionate about the subject. I'm passionate about the subject. Let's go. Let's, let's talk. What's never happened. They never want to, do they? They never actually <laughs> want to talk to you. Um, yeah. Like that one account, the, the doctor, I mean, she even, oh my gosh, she went to Twitter. She was last, she was posting all sorts of stuff on Twitter, um, retweeting about like, it was, it was crazy. I was like, you, are you 12? Like what? Well, and I think that's probably what's the most shocking is that once you consider that she's a doctor and she's a grown woman that she's twice my age, I'm sure. Uh Let's do it. I'm like, are you, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah. And then, you know, as soon as you call their bluff or as soon as you call them out, they back off, they back off. And that's usually my, that's usually how I go. I'm like, Hey, I don't, I, I know that I'm online and I know that I'm on social media, but I refuse to hide behind a screen. I refuse to hide behind a keyboard. I want to have conversations. I want to have discussions. So I hope you do too. And if you don't, you're unfortunately proving my point. Um, and yeah, they never do. Yeah. Never I really them. commend you for that because right now there just seems to be like, I, I, I try to be the same way. For example, my platform is mostly on Instagram and if somebody mm-hmm comes at me in the comments with an actual rebuttal, then I'll engage Mm -hmm. with them in the comments. But if they're just coming at me and being like an idiot, I don't, I don't bother. I usually let my commenters kind of deal with them and I have DM people, but they never want, like, I've like, come onto my podcast, let's have a conversation. And they've yet to kind of come on. And so no, I'm do. just kind of like, whatever, <laughs> okay, going on about my business. But another, yeah. one of the last thing I kind of wanted to, you know, see your opinion on or see your views on as, because I've gathered that you're, you're in a traditional relationship. You stay at home with your children. You're married. Yep. Um, we've had our discussion about like, you know, the importance of, you know, we can be respectable or respectful respectable yes of people who want to use ungendered language but it shouldn't be like the default language yeah I'm just curious as to you you know when you are a traditional like I also consider myself to be in a traditional relationship and I just like to see what your opinion is on this that when you the term feminism has gotten kind of like a negative I have a visceral negative reaction to it now I'll just be honest, especially, but specifically when we're talking about modern feminism, what is happening in modern feminism with ungendering language? I find a lot of times attacking men, uh, generalizing Mm -hmm. men, masculine behavior as toxic and then female behavior can do no wrong. Like that kind of general feeling is how I've perceived it. Um, But at the same time, you know, there are some acknowledgments that, you know, uh, feminism had a place or how it was necessary at a time. Mm -hmm. 
do you have that same like feeling? Do you, it's like a weird space to be in where you still want mm-hmm. to make sure that women absolutely deserve these rights. And I, and I feel like we have them and I'm like, good. Yeah. Like right now I'm good. Yeah. Right. And that, that's always a fun question to ask uh, anybody who's like a gung ho, hardcore feminist and, you know, ask they usually at some point the phrase like protecting women's rights or fighting for women's rights will come up. It's like, okay, wait, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm uneducated here, but please enlighten me. What rights don't women have? What do we still not have? Is there something we're missing? Like, what am I not allowed to do or what can, what am I not allowed to do? What don't, what can I do? You know, all this stuff. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably in the same boat as you are in that I do have a weird kind of (laughs) reaction (laughs) to the term feminist or feminism because I think that it's evolved into something that it actually isn't like a real hard look at what feminism is versus what feminism is viewed as today. It's not the same. And, uh, feminism in and of itself, like just at its core is the respect of femininity. And it is the respect and acknowledgement that women are incredibly capable, incredibly powerful. And we are that way because we are women, not because we are the same thing as men, men and women. Ready? Here we go. Controversial time. I should make a TikTok about this and get another million followers. Um, I'm going to make so many people mad. Men and women are not equal and they never will be. Correct. Especially if we're talking about biology and physiology, for sure. They are not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And trying to make men and women equal is an uphill battle that's going to be met with so much frustration. And I think that's where we're at right now. I think that women so badly, or not so badly, I think women have been kind of force-fed this idea for so long that in order to be successful and in order to be respected, we have to be able to do the same things and be viewed on the same level as men. When we can't be on the same level because we're not even playing the same game. Like we're not even in the same realm in any way. Yeah. You can have the same job as a man. You can have the same opinions as a man, but you're a woman. He's a man. You just, you, you're never going to be the same. That's like asking you to tell them, or that's like saying that the colors yellow and purple are equal. They're not. I think that kind of comes up because there, it was always a concentration there's different waves. And of course the first I think was absolutely necessary, right? To vote, right? To 100%. Like, yeah. The basic, yeah. Rights, like human rights, of course. And there is, you're so right in that there was a time and place where women did not have the same basic rights as men. And that's where the whole suffragette movement came in and feminism really blew up and thank goodness it did. And we can thank our ancestors for getting us to where we are. I'm incredibly proud of the women of the past. Um, but where we are, yeah, like what rights, what rights don't I have? Well, and I feel like that that's again, kind of like we've entered this point where there, I mean, I, some, I might be accused of trivializing things, but I just don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm wrong. 
I think <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I just feel like there. It's almost we've gotten to the point where we're just looking for something. We're looking for something, mm-hmm. and then also we've been sold a bill of goods for so long that in order for women to be fulfilled and be successful, you have to have a job, you have to be a CEO, you have to like right. rule. Which, if that's what the point is, is that a woman has that right to make that choice if they choose to do that. Yeah, that's the whole point of feminism: is that you should be able to do whatever the hell you want to do as a woman and own it, like do it. So do you make a pretty hard distinction for yourself of like, if someone were to say to you, are you a feminist? Like, what is your knee jerk reaction to that? Like, which, cause I find it to be like a, I'm not going to answer. Like, what is your knee jerk reaction to that? So, okay. Nobody can see your face. We can see each other's face, but you have, you make, you do do good face. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All right. I don't, I'm like, okay. I feel like in order to properly answer this question, I need to answer a question that you haven't asked. Okay. Well, and ask me a question but, too. Like, but, and you can totally edit this part out if you do not want to open this can of worms. Oh, I open all cans of worms. Please go ahead. Amazing. <laughs> Um, but the context that I'm giving is related to the, are you pro-life or pro-choice question? Okay. So I want to know, cause this is fun. Are you pro-life or pro-choice? I am pro-life. Amazing. Yeah. So when and I am like, me, I am like pro-life, pro-life. Now I'm not like pro-life with the exception of like, you know, six, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so here's what I mean about context and like kind of where my thought process comes from. When people ask me, are you pro-life or pro-choice? I love to say I'm, I'm pro-choice. However, I believe that that choice happens way before you even find out you're pregnant. Yeah, I am pro-choice because women deserve that choice. But once you are pregnant, that choice is not yours anymore. I'm sorry. You're no, you're like, no. So same school of thought. When people ask me, are you a feminist? Or if I'm talking about feminism, yes, I'm a feminist, but I'm not the kind of feminism that you think I should be. I'm a feminist in like at the core of it. Yeah, I am. Of course I am. Like but it feels like I? it's like there's only one way to be like right now, there's only uh-huh. one acceptable way to be a feminist. And I'm doing air quotes. Right, and I just call bullshit on that whole thing. <laughs> like, no, there's not. I'm sorry. There's not. Yes, I'm a feminist. But I, I do not believe that men and women are equal, nor will they ever be, nor should they be. They are both valuable and they are both different. They're, they're different. So they can't be equal. Well, and I think if you really, if, I mean, if we want to get philosophical about it, always. Um, it's not beneficial for them, for men and women to be equal or to be the same. Like it's not beneficial for society. I mean, think about it, you know, regardless, and this goes for, I I think, you know, we're talking about men and women and I feel like, you know, cause people will be like, well, what about same sex couples and stuff like that? I think they can also kind of fall into this where when you're, as a couple, you bring two different energies. You bring two different right. aspects, two different skills. And I believe specifically, I can only speak as, as a woman in a relationship mm-hmm. with a man, but I appreciate that, you know, he is the, the primary provider. He is a protector of our yep. home. I, you know, make a home. I make sure that the home is functioning well. If like Mm -hmm. the shit hits the fan, he goes out first. I go out the back door in my arm. Absolutely. But he's out front. You know what I mean? Like, and these are, these are good. These are just, that is just a small example of some of the roles that we take. And especially like when we talk about 
the raising of children, like the mom is so important in the very beginning. And I find that the partnership of mother and especially father, especially if you're dealing with young boys, they're especially important when they're in their teenage years, you know what I mean? As they're getting older. And I think it's just because there is these, these things that we just, we balance each other and we provide for each other. Mm-hmm. And if we, it was all the same, honestly, what fun would that be? First of all, like what fun would that be? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I, then second of all, something is going to fall through the cracks. You know what I mean? If everybody's like right. out of the home, everybody's working, everybody's like, then you're butting heads with your partner. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's not a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> no, not at all. And again, I would say that like, like gay couples, you know, whether it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman, um, Again, I think that just comes back to, like you said earlier, each one tends to fill a, fill a role, fill the needs of their family and fill the needs of their home. And so those unique and valuable, although not necessarily equal roles, but equally valuable roles, um, just kind of naturally fall into place between two people are in, in a family in a partnership yeah, and I, in a partnership of any kind. And so I think, unfortunately, what we're seeing with like this whole modern day fem- feminism thing is that it's, there's this just kind of a, um, disrespect for one of those roles because it's not financially motivated. Yeah. And I, and that's it. And it's just, it's interesting to me and I, and I'm going to wrap us up because we're coming towards an hour or so, but it's been interesting that in this constant move or this desire to be progressive, Mm -hmm. what is being essentially diminished is always the woman, which for a long time, we were the ones that like, it was supposed to be you know, us trying to move forward and advance and, and be successful. Mm-hmm. And like, in just what you said, you know, just the idea that if you're a stay at home mom, you somehow are letting yourself be uh, influenced by the patriarchy or what you're doing right. isn't really uh, contributing to society, which, or that you don't really know yourself. And I've said this a few times that I find the idea that a woman who chooses to stay home to be dismissed and be told that they're any of those things, not fulfilling themselves right. or submitting to the patriarchy or whatever, as is in some way they don't know themselves is incredibly sexist. Oh, I, I agree completely. I think that the, especially when it comes from other women saying this to you, it like blows my mind. I'm like, no, 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 hang on. If anybody's bought into the patriarchy here, it is you, my friend, <laughs> you really think that, a woman who doesn't go out and like climb the corporate ladder is brainwashed. Like you really believe that she is incapable of making these decisions for herself and enjoying the life that she's chosen for herself and thrive in the position that she has picked for herself. Like you, what? I'm sorry. I thought we were, I am woman, hear me roar. Like what happened? Like, why can't we just be respectful of what each one chooses? Like if you, I'm not going to, I mean, if you want to climb that ladder, you go climb it. Well, I'm, of course I want to go for it. (laughs) I'm want to raise these children and there's nothing, you know, more valid than trying to raise the next generation. Well, if someone is looking for you or if somebody wants to doula, 
I don't know if that's even like a thing. Um, where can they find you and how can they connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Joe the Mama. It's the same thing, both places. Uh, but yeah, for now, just those are really the main two places to find me. It's Instagram and TikTok. And I love chatting with people. I love answering DMs on Instagram. So if you have any questions for me, if you want to get in touch with me, go ahead and DM me at Joe the Mama on Instagram. And I will be sure to include those links in the show notes so you guys can follow Jordan or Joe the Mama. And uh, thanks so much for joining me on this. Uh, we hit a lot of topics and we hit a lot of hot we topics. Did. So we're probably going to tick some people off, but I think some people will really, <laughs> she's like, yeah, don't care. And that is honestly, I feel like that is really the attitude that a lot of us need to have right now. It's just, you don't have to oh, be yeah. disrespectful. You don't have to be nasty, but just no. don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. If I had like any message to any young women out there, <laughs> like, who are in that kind of finding themselves phase. Don't, don't be nice for the sake of being nice. Like what? You just say it, just say it. For myself, the only person I, I, I have to give any kind of, I don't want to say respect or whatever, but it's definitely like my parents for the most part, but my husband, like my husband, yes. like that is a relationship that is sacred, completely mm -hmm. respectful with me and yep. he with me and everything. Um, but other than that, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, no, not, not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, this has I been really fun. Thank you so much, Jordan, for hanging out. And uh, I would love to have you back sometime and we can, I'm yeah, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about like the whole birth, like I keep wanting oh, yeah. to say business. I know it's not a business practice. <laughs> uh, funny enough, there's a really popular documentary about uh, like hospital birth and home birth called the business of being born. Okay. So it is like, the business of birth in a way. Um, but yeah, the last, or not the last, but I did a podcast interview a little while ago with another friend of mine. Um, and that one was all about like sex and intimacy and relationships and stuff. But we went on a whole, probably 45 minute tangent about like the mechanics of breastfeeding. I don't know how we got on the subject. Um, but she ended up having to like turn it into a Patreon episode because she's like, I can't, I can't put it all. I can't, <laughs> I can't do a whole 45 minutes of just the mechanics. But it's so interesting to talk about. So anytime I'm, I'm down. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, then we will definitely do this again. Thank you so much, Jordan. And this was amazing. Thanks so much for having me on. This, this was a lot of My fun. pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to It's Mercedes Honest Conversations for Freedom-Minded Women. You can find the show notes for this episode at itsmissady.com. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored if you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. And if you would like to have conversations like this with other freedom-minded women, visit libertasisters.com, a community of women founded on the values of femininity, self-reliance, and freedom. You can also connect with me on Instagram at itsmissady or join my email list. Until next time, stay free and stay honest.